How do you do? This is Clive Brooks. Now, far be it from me to condone murder in any shape or form, but I'm afraid that despite the enormity of his crimes, I shall always have a sneaking regard for one Walter Miller, who, 80-odd years ago, was very rightly hanged by the neck until he was dead. Miller's victims totaled two, and the killing in each case was premeditated, cold-blooded, and brutal. Moreover, his crimes were permitted for the most sordid of motives, gain. And yet, there was something about the man, something that emerges from the bare record. A boldness, an audacity, a sort of perverted, reckless courage, if you like. His philosophy was simple. A short life and a merry one. He knew full well what the cost would be, yet he called the tune he wanted. And when settling time came, he paid the piper without a whine or a snivel or a plea for mercy. Of how many murderers can we say the same? One of them politicians are banned below. Here, here. Yeah, now, wait a minute, that don't make sense, Wall. Oh, why not, may I ask? Well, someone's got to work, and they, or nothing would ever get done. Well, of course they have. I'm not talking about everyone. I'm just talking about me. Ah, and what makes you so different from us ordinary coves that we have to sweat for a living and you don't, eh? Well, I wasn't meant for work. I was meant for the bright lights and the gay lights. Money in me pocket and a good-looking bit of skirt on me arm. Snap me fingers and along comes a waiter, bobbing and scraping. Bubbly for two, sir. Yes, sir. Certainly, sir. Nothing but the best for Wally Miller. Blimey! He thinks he's Lord Vere de Vere. <laughs> all right, all right. Laugh if you like. But that's how it's going to be someday. You see if it ain't. Yeah, what are you going to do, Wall? Turn I, Wayman. Did <laughs> a bit out of date, you know. Maybe you could rob the old lady at Red Needle Street. Yeah. <laughs> or murder a millionaire or something. <laughs> that's it. Find some old girl with a well-built purse. Cost you mine and you set up for life. That's if the peelers don't get you. Never <laughs> you mind what I'm going to do. Just you wait and see, that's all. Oh, good Mr. Blooming Millionaire Miller, eh? Here. Come on, Eggie, come on. Well, fill him up again. Many a true word, they say, is spoken in jest. Among Miller's casual employers was the Reverend Elias Hewlin, a middle-aged bachelor who lived with only a housekeeper in a house in Fulton Wells. The Reverend Hewlin was some recluse. Hundreds of women by sight had no rents. Not months would pass without a solitary visitor of Fulton Square. Unlike most clergymen, he was a shrewd man who invested his money in real estate. This was a dilapidated houses. He may have them repaired, then sell it a profit. One day the Reverend gentleman approached Miller at his lodging. I wouldn't have a treat free to do a charming. Blimey. 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 Wants a bit of doing up, I suppose, eh? Yes, it is in, in rather a bad state of repair at the moment. The woodwork needs repainting. Uh, I should say there's about 
uh, a month's work in it altogether. Oh, well, might as well make a martyr of myself. When do you want me to start? Would uh, Monday be suitable? I suppose so. Splendid. I'll be there at 8 a.m. to tell you exactly what's to be done. To give Miller his due, when he did knuckle down, he was a good workman, quick and competent. By the end of the first week, the job was well advanced, a point which the clergyman noted with satisfaction on the Friday afternoon when he called to pay Miller his wages. Very good. Very good indeed. Uh, uh, that wall needs just a little more smoothing off, don't you think? Yes, well, I'll get that done on Monday. There's a few bricks loose here in the fireplace, but I'll fix them too. It's splendid. Well... I suppose you'd like some money, eh? I'm not doing this for the good of me health, Governor. Uh, quite, quite. Uh, let me see now. Uh, two pounds a week's our usual weight, isn't it? Uh, sure. Uh, <coughs> well, here we are. Uh, there you are, my man. Uh, one. Uh, two. Oh, thank you kindly, sir. Uh, if you don't mind me saying so, you're taking a bit of a risk, aren't you, Reverend? A risk? Uh, what do you mean? Oh, carrying all that money around. Bit of a temptation for somebody to knock you down and rob you, ain't it? Oh, nonsense. Uh, this is a, a law-abiding city. Ah, that's what you think. I'd play safe and put it in the bank if I was you. I'll be enough, Miller. I, I'm one of those old-fashioned people who, who don't believe very much in such institutions. I've always conducted my affairs on the principle that a pound in the hand is worth two in the bank. Well, so long as you know what you're doing, Governor. I fancy I do. Uh, good day, Miller. Uh, keep up the good work. I shall see you again next Friday. Very good, sir. Try as he would, Miller could not forget the sight of that well-filled purse of sovereigns. It was with him during the weekend, and it kept coming back to him all the following week as he worked alone in the empty house in Wellington Square. Thanks, I. And in the end, he says... Mm. That means there must be more where the lot in his purse come from. Somewhere in the earth. Quite a nice all for someone. Yes, quite a nice all. With all that money, a cow wouldn't have to work no more. He could live a good sort of life, he could. Hmm. Risky, though. It'd take courage. Bound to be found out sooner or later. Still, what the hell? Get a bit of fun out of life, that's my motto and then take what's coming to you. Dangerous thoughts. Anyone else would have brushed them aside, but not Miller. They stayed with him all through that fateful week till they became an obsession. Could be done, you know. The old boy ain't got no friends to speak of. And if anyone got curious about him, you could always let him drop his gun on holiday to France or somewhere. Of course, there's that old shard of an housekeeper, but she'd be easy enough to fix it. By Friday, Miller's mind was made up, his plan complete. Suspecting nothing, the Reverend Mr. Hewlin arrived at his usual time to see how the work was progressing. Doing a first-rate job, my man. I, I, I'm more than pleased. Oh, it's kind of you to say so, sir. Not at all. Uh, credit's where credit's due, you know. What? Uh, there's your money. Oh, thank you, sir. 
I shall see you again next week. Oh, uh, half a minute before you go, Governor. Uh, what is it? Look, looks to me like there's a bit of dry rot in that there woodwork. And I was wondering what you want me to do with it. Whereabouts do you mean? Well, uh, that, uh, that beam over the doorway, sir. It was a vicious blow delivered from behind that broke the skull. It probably killed the clergyman instantly. But Miller was taking no chances. He strangled his victim as well to make sure. A grave had already been dug in the basement. It was a matter of a few minutes to bury the body and obliterate all traces. The first half of his plan had gone through without a hitch. You're doing all right so far, Wally. Now for number two. The victim's purse of gold in his pocket straight away round to the house in Fulton Square with the murderer. He rang the bell and a moment later the front door was opened by the Reverend Hewlin's housekeeper, Anne Buff. Oh, you, Mr. Miller. The master isn't in. Oh, no, he ain't. I just left him at Wellington Square. He says there's a bit of plaster coming away in the kitchen and he wants me to fix. Not that I'm aware of. Well, I'm only going by what he says. Oh, well. you better come in and have a look, then. No hurry, Mum. If you've got visitors or anything like that, I can easily come back. Whoever heard of me having visitors? Oh, if you're quite sure it's convenient. Oh, come on, come on. Get it over and done with. Stand there in the doorway all night arguing. All right, I'm coming, ain't I? Where's the kitchen? Well, where do you think? In the basement, of course. Down them stairs. Yeah, fair starter, ain't you? Mm, something smells good on the stove. You get on with what you've got to do, Walter Miller. All right, all right. Yeah, looks, looks good enough to me. I can't see nothing wrong, can you? Well, that's what I told you before. It was only done last year. Ah, I've got you, I think. Look, how about that patch over the stove? Where? Right up near the ceiling. Do you see what I mean? What, that tiny crack? Ah, God! A couple more blows to make certain, and Anne Boss had gone, we hope, to join her reverend employer. This time, Miller was faced with a bigger problem regarding the disposal of the body. He couldn't bury it in the garden for fear of observation. He could have lifted the stone flags of the kitchen floor and dug a grave under it, of course. But it was getting late, and the golden sovereigns in his pocket were burning a hole, demanding to be spent. He found a wooden packing case in a box room on the ground floor, carried the body up, dumped it in, and had just begun nailing up the top when... Someone at the door. This was the one chance Miller had had to take. Should he answer it and risk it being a friend of one of his victims who would insist on entering and then see the body? Or should he let it ring? and pretend no one was at home. But there were the hammer blows. They were bound to have been heard. He had to take the chance. He walked to the door. Good evening, dearie. Like to buy a nice bit of jewelry for your wife? No. Real gold brooch? No. Uh, only five bob? No, I don't want it. A pair of earrings, then. Dirt cheap at half the price. I'll tell you, I don't want nothing. Be off with you. Oh, don't be hard on an old woman, dearie. I've had a lucky charm, then. Guaranteed to bring you seven years good luck. Ha <laughs> Oh, wild tale. Oh, spit me if it ain't true. Never been known to fail. Well, um, how much? Two bob to you, Duck. All right. I'll take it. Here's half a crown. Keep the change. Bless you, dear. May your soul go to heaven when you die. Ha <laughs> fat chance of that. 
For a moment, Miller stood looking at the tawdry little charm as it lay in the open palm of his hat. Seven days, more like it. Well, come on, Wally Miller. Stop mooning around there. You know the old saying. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow who knows. And with this deeply philosophical, if not highly original, reflection, Walter Miller picked up his hammer and returned to complete his gruesome task. I'm not. You ought to know me well enough by now. Well, 
Or I'll end tomorrow. You come round to 15 Bolton Square, Chelsea, and I'll tell you then. Maybe. That night, Walter Miller slept in the Reverend Hewlin's bed. He woke next morning late with a splitting headache, no more than a vague recollection of the later stages of the previous night and several unsolved problems still to be dealt with. The first was resolved easily enough. There was a knock on the side door, and Miller opened it to find a young man wearing a butcher's apron. Well, if it's not William Miller, what are you doing here, working? If it's any business of yours, which I don't see as how it is, I'm looking after the place. Well, where's Mrs. Boss? She didn't leave an order yesterday, so I come to find out what she wants. Mrs. Boss is away on holidays. Likewise, if you want to know, Mr. Ewing. Oh. Bit sudden, ain't it? Not at all. It was arranged last week that I should come and keep an eye on things. Well, where's he gone? Mr. Eulin, I mean. I have it on good authority. He is now in France. Is there anything else you want to know? Well, there's no need to get narky. Well, I just wondered, that's all. Why don't you look call again? Mrs. Bottle, you're sitting back. Goodbye. Goodbye. Sounds all enough. Eleanor Mueller had for the clergyman, and quite likely be called in back to take two during the Hewlin absence. Miss Van Weather thought was soon around among patients, and that from this point of view, he was safe enough time being at least. Of course, Bill and her dispersed of house to visit. He was trying to make up his mind about that when the doorbell rang. This time it was Lil. Miller had forgotten his voice to be a night, and Riley did in fact that there was nothing to tell. But Lil was determined at the truth. And at last, he came out. Miller omitted nothing. There's my bad inside, do. Why didn't you say something? Oh, I don't know what to say. You're not just in my leg about all this, are you? Have a look in that back case, you don't me. So I've got a clue that for you. No, no. Well, well, it's up to you, Lil. How do you mean? What are you going to do? Give me away. Oh, I thought you'd never know I never scan a pal. You mean that? Of course you. All right. You and me are in this together from now on. No, no, I don't want to be. Why not? I'll take where we will. You'll be here share like what I asked. We had a good one last night, didn't we? Yes. Well, that's nothing to what we're going to have. Old boy didn't trust banks, you know. Kept most of his money here. I've been going through the place this morning. Oh, you wouldn't believe it if I told you how much I'd found. But aren't you scared, Wally? Scared? What about? That you'll be found out. Well, of course I'll be found out sooner or later. You can't get away with this kind of thing forever, you know. But they'll hang you, won't they? Well, let them. Why should I care? I'll have had me good time first. So long as they don't nab me before I've had a chance to enjoy myself. What's the odds? But they, they might hang me too. No, you'll be all right, Lil. I'll swear you didn't know nothing about it. They can't prove you did. What, what do you say, Ducks? Are you on? Oh, I don't know. Oh, come on. In for a penny, in for a pound. Well, I, I suppose I might as well That's be. That's but it. We're going to have such a beano tonight as you never dreamed about. Oh, there's just one thing, Molly. What? That packing case, you've got to get rid of it. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. No, you've got to do it now. It's too dangerous to have lying around. Oh, who do you think's going to see it? I'll tell you, I'll see it goes tomorrow. Ah, come on, ducks, don't worry about that. Let's go to town, shall we? I've a bit of shopping to do at the chemist, and then I'll buy you the best diamond ring we can find in London. If Miller and his girlfriend had painted the West End a pale shade of pink the previous evening, they painted it a bright crimson this time. Now that she knew the truth and had morally made herself an accessory after the fact, Lil was as desperately anxious as her companion to extract the last drop of gaiety from every hour. And this they certainly did. Once more, when he woke up next morning, Walter Miller faced a new day with a terrific hangover and with the problem of the packing case still unsolved. He knew he'd have to do something about that today. Besides, he'd promised Lil. So, after a great deal of cogitation, he went round to the stables of a carrier named Piper, an honest and simple fellow whom he'd met casually in various pubs. 
Got a small job for you, Jack. Oh, what's it? Well, keeping house for the Reverend Eulian while he's abroad on holiday, you know. Ah, so I've heard. There was a betting case there with some of his stuff in it. He left word I was to have it took to a house he owns in Fulham. Ah, well, what tomorrow do? Well, I'd like to get you out of the way today if I could. It's standing in the front hall and it gets a bit in the way. Ah. All right, then I'll be round about three o'clock. Will that suit? I'll be looking out for you. Needn't bother to bring no one else. It ain't so heavy that you and I can't handle it. And so the die was cast. Miller's choice had been a shrewd one. Piper was a big, strong fellow without an ounce of viciousness in him and unlikely to suspect it in others. The house at Fulham was another belonging to the Reverend Hewlin that lay empty at the moment. It was in an isolated position with a back garden well sheltered from possible curious eyes. And there, at his leisure, Miller could bury the body of the unfortunate Mrs. Buss. Lil arrived early in the afternoon, and though they both pretended to be casual, there was an obvious mounting of nervous tension as the clock hands approached three. And then, at last... Well, here goes Lil. Suppose he finds out it's too big a risk, Wally. Send him away. Don't be silly. It's got to be done sooner or later. Oh, couldn't we just hire a van and, and do it ourselves late at night? I'll have everyone in the street sticking their noses in and asking awkward questions. Oh. This is the only way. Open and straightforward and take a chance. Keep your fingers crossed, Duck. Ah, right on time, eh? Yeah. Well, you got the case ready? Yes, it's just through here in the hall. There you are. Hmm, ah. a pretty big one, eh? What's in it? Don't know. Just carrying out the parson's orders. Ah. Oh, well, better get to work, I suppose. Yeah, the uh, cords are a bit loose, aren't they? No, they're all right. Ah, well, I'll just tighten up the knots a bit. Leave them alone. Understand? Now, listen here, Walter Miller. I wouldn't be a carrier if I didn't know my job. And I'm telling you, I'd not trust a box tied like that in my van. It'd fall to bits. No, it'll only take me a few seconds. I should leave him alone, didn't I? Yeah, well, you see. Loose as anything. Everyone... Yeah. What's this? What's what? On my fingers. It's blood. <coughs> yeah, shut up, Bill. You, uh, you must have cut your hand. What's in that case, Walter Miller? Oh, I'm getting out of here. Bill. Bill. Come back. Now see what you've done. You've scared the poor girl half out of her witches, silly fool. Now just get on with the job or I'll call someone else. I'm not leaving here until that case is open. Now look here. Now will you open it or will I? I'll tell you that... All right then. Here goes. Miller knew the game was up. His fingers strayed to his waistcoat pocket where reposed a file of laudanum which, unknown to Lil, he had bought the previous day. Then from the corner of his eye he saw the front doorway Lil had left open in a hurried flight. It was a desperate chance, but it was a chance. Along Polton Square he raced, with Piper close behind. Passers-by joined in the chase. A few yards clear of his nearest pursuer, Miller turned a corner and ran straight into the arms of a policeman. Here, here, what's going on? Not so far. Other police came running and Miller was overpowered. Piper made a hurried explanation. The arrested man was taken back to the house, and there, while he stood closely guarded, the packing case was opened, and its ghastly contents revealed. Mrs. Boss, the housekeeper. Well, Miller, what have you got to say for yourself? Yeah, quickly, stop him, he's put something in his mouth. Uh, too late. You're all too late. It's Lord Nemo. Oh, try to seek the hangman, eh? We'll soon see about that. Run down to the kitchen, someone, and get some salt and water. Plenty of... The emetic was crudely administered, but it did its job. And a little later, dishevelled and sick, 
Walter Miller was taken to the police station and charged. Once he saw the game was up, he admitted everything except one point. True to his promise to Lil, he stuck doggedly to his statement that she had been all through in complete ignorance of the whole affair. At the trial before Lord Chief Justice Coburn, an attempt was made to plead insanity on Miller's behalf, but this was quickly dismissed by the prosecution. If some of the accused acts were extraordinary, others indicated that he was possessed of a cunning and clear-thinking brain, and that he was a man of more than extraordinary intelligence. He both murdered with consummate daring and took every conceivable step that a sane and clever man would to avoid detection. To argue that these were the acts of a madman would be to throw doubt on the sanity of every man and woman here in this court. The verdict was guilty, and before a sentence of death was passed, Miller had only one thing to say. Well, I've had my fling and it was worth it. Now I suppose I've got a pay. And pay he did three weeks later to the full extent of the law. Well, that's all for now. But I'll be back again soon to tell you some more of the secrets of Scotland Yard. Meanwhile, this is Clive Brooks saying goodbye and pleasant dreams.